Bibles, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> uh, turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Joshua chapter 6, Joshua chapter 6, and you know, <clears throat> this morning I was challenged with a thought, somebody, one of the men that went to the conference said, Pastor, no pressure, but We've heard some really, really good preaching over the last couple of days, and we're expecting a really good sermon this morning. <laughs> well, I have some bad news for you. No, I'm teasing. Uh, you know, the, the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And uh, I'm so very thankful that we have a God who loves us and uh, a God that has given us a book that we can learn and grow by. And... Um, Last week, I ended the message last week with a question. And the question is this, what was God trying to teach the Israelites as they crossed the desert and they, and they got to the, the first attempt to cross the Jordan River? What was God trying to teach them through all of that? And the, the answer to that was faith. And then I asked another question, and and and. The second question that I asked was, what is God trying to teach you and I? And the answer to that is faith. As I pondered this idea of faith and uh, struggled with God on what to preach this morning, God brought, keep, kept bringing me back to the idea of faith. And I asked my, myself a question. <clears throat> What is faith? And as I struggled with the question, what is faith, uh, this, this message was kind of born out of that. But let, let me share with you something as, that I, as, I, as I struggled with this idea of what is faith, uh, I, I, I started thinking about it and I thought, you know, there are two synonyms in the Bible that are synonyms of faith. Can anybody tell me what they are? Trust and belief. All three of those are synonyms to the same basic idea of putting, learning to trust and put our faith, our belief in God. Now, personally, I, out of those three synonyms, the word trust is one that I can grab hold of a little bit easier than the other two. But they, they all mean basically the same thing. In Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5, one of my favorite verses in the Bible is a, is a constant reminder of the fact that I need to trust. The Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. This is a, this is a Bible verse that sums up the teaching of faith or trust or belief. To put all of my trust, all of my belief, all my faith in God, and not to trust in anything of myself. Those of you that know me know that I am a fixer. I, I love to fix things. Rickson, um, many years ago when he was in Bible college, uh, when I had my construction company, Rickson uh, and, uh, worked for me one summer. And, and you know what I'm talking about. We, we fixed a lot of stuff. In fact, if you come back tonight, I'll tell you a story about Rickson. 
It's really funny. In the 19th century, the greatest tightrope walker in the world was a guy named Charles uh, Blondin. On June 30th, 1859, he became the first man in history to walk on a tightrope across the Niagara Falls. Over 25,000 people gathered to watch him walk the 1,100 feet suspended on a tiny rope 160 feet above the raging waters. He walked without a safety net or a safety harness of any kind. The slightest slip would have been fatal for him. When he safely reached the Canadian side, the crowd burst into a mighty roar of excitement. And in the days to follow, he would walk across the falls many times. Once he walked across on stilts. What a nut. (laughs) Another time he took a chair and a stove with him. He got halfway across, he stopped, he sat down on the chair, and he cooked and ate an omelet. Once he carried once he carried his manager across on his back. Yeah. Once he pushed a wheelbarrow full of concrete, uh, some of the estimates that I read set up to 350 pounds in the wheelbarrow. On one occasion, he he, uh, asked the cheering spectators if they thought he could push a man across in a wheelbarrow. And a mighty roar went out of approval and the crowd started screaming and, 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 yes, you can do it, you can do it. And spying a man that was sitting in the front row and cheering really, really loudly, he walks over to the man and he says, do you believe I can do it? I can push a man across to the other side in the wheelbarrow. And he's, and he's yes, I believe you can. And he says, get in. That's and, <laughs> and he refused. He wouldn't do it. See, we can say that we have faith or trust or belief in God, but until we put it into practice, do we really? See, those are just words until they're put into practice. Now, I've known... Rickson and Susan for, for many, many years. And one of the reasons why we have supported them for so long is because I know that, that well, I don't know about Susan, but Rickson's dumb enough to get in the wheelbarrow. <laughs> no, they live by faith. You, can't, you cannot do the things that they've done and, and not live by faith. This morning we're going to look at the book of Joshua and see faith in practice. The story we're going to read is a very common story, and uh, may you know you may walk out of here thinking, "Hey, I didn't I didn't learn a thing," and that you know what that's okay. But I hope you walk out of here saying this: God challenged me in the area of faith in my life.
trust, belief. In Joshua chapter 6, let's start reading in verse 1. It says, Now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went in and none came out. And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given into thine hand Jericho and the king thereof and, and the mighty men of valor. And ye shall compass the city with all the men of war. <coughs> Excuse me. And go round about the city once. Thus shalt thou do six days. And the seventh and the seven priests shall bear the ark, seven trumpets of rams, ram's horns. And seventh day you shall compass the city seven times, and the priest shall blow with the trumpet. And it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the, with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the, walls, and, and the wall of the city shall fall down flat, and the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. Turn over to verse 20, same chapter in verse 20. So the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpet, and it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet that the people shouted a great shout that the wall fell down flat so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you again for this day. Thank you for your love and for your, your patience with us. And Lord, as we look at this passage this morning, we ask that you would challenge our hearts, that you would help us to understand what is faith. We truly love you and we thank you for all that you do. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Hebrews 11, chapters, uh, uh, chapter 11, verses uh, 29 to 31 says, By faith <clears throat> they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians, as saying, to do were drowned. By faith the walls, of, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. By faith the, the harlot Rahab perished not, with them that believed not when she had received the spies in peace. By faith. By faith. And as I, as I was reading this account in Hebrews chapter 11, it, it, it dawned on me when, when, when the children of Israel were up against the Red Sea and, and Moses was desperate. And he cried out to God and he stretched forth his hands and God parted the sea. And the children of Israel passed over in one night. I thought about this. How many people, well, let, let, me, let me back up. What were the people before Moses and God split the Red Sea, what were the people wanting to do to Moses? They want to kill him. 
The faith of one man saved the entire nation of Israel. The faith of one man. And as I was thinking about this, I thought, wait a minute, at at Jericho, do you think that everybody that was with Joshua then, all the men of valor and the priests and everybody that was involved, do you think that they had the faith that Joshua had? Not likely. I've, I, I'm going to give you two personal observations here, and, and, and I, I hope that these make sense, because what I have observed through the years of being a pastor is two things. Faith, trust, belief are contagious. When you have faith and you stand strong in your life, you will encourage and, and, and help other people build their faith. The other personal observation that I have, I have seen and experienced is that not only is faith, trust, and belief contagious, but so is fear and disbelief. And when we are fearful and when we don't believe and we don't trust, we can do a lot of damage in the lives of people around us. And here we see Joshua and the armies coming to this place called Jericho. The title of my message simply is By Faith. By Faith. Again, what is faith? Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 answers that question. Faith, what is, uh, uh, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. What is faith? Putting your faith and your trust and your belief into something far greater than you. Now, I don't know the answer to this question, but I think I know the answer to this question. Over the last 10 so years, have you guys struggled with your faith? Wondered where God was? When the mudslide came through your house for one time, absolutely. It's a, you know, one of the misnomers about missionaries is people tend to think that missionaries are like super Christians. And they're just regular people that have learned to put their faith and trust in something bigger than they are. Point number one, by faith, grow. Pretty simple. Pretty simple. Look at, go back, if you would, to Joshua chapter 3. Joshua chapter 3 and verse 14. And it came to pass when the people uh, removed from their tents to pass over Jordan, the priests bearing the ark, and the covenant before the people, and they that bear the ark were come unto the Jordan. And the feet of the priest that bear the ark were dipped in to the brim of the water, for the Jordan overflowed all its banks. 
and the time, uh, and uh, excuse me, all the time of harvest, that the water which came from uh, came down from above, stood and rose up upon a heap very far from the city of Adam and beside uh, Zeratan, and those that came down toward the sea of the plain, even the salt sea failed and were cut off, and the people passed over right against Jericho. Okay, so let's take a, let's talk about this for a second. What is taking place here? God God brings the children of Israel through the through the wilderness. They come to the Jordan River, and because of their unbelief, they, God sends them back out to the desert for 40 years. Brings them back, and the only two people that are still alive from the initial group 40 years prior are two people, Joshua and Caleb. And they come back, and they, they're, 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 they pitched their, their, their tents, and they're getting ready to cross over. And the, the, the river is full. It's the, it's the time of harvest. All the rain from, from the highlands is, has, is coming down, and the river is overflowing its banks. The river is, is in, totally full. So it, it, couldn't, it couldn't be... Uh, a, a simple time for God to part the waters. It had to be the most difficult season to do it. But please notice, there are two things that happened before the water parted. There are two things here that happened. The first one we see in verse 14, and it came to pass when the people removed from their tents. What does that mean? That means that they, they, they broke camp, so to speak. And they, they said, you know what? We are going to trust God. We're, we're going to pack everything up and we're getting ready to go. They didn't wait until the waters parted to say, okay, I'll pack up my stuff and we'll go. They stepped out in faith and said, we are going to trust that God's going to make it happen. Even though the, the, the river is overflowing its banks, and, and humanly it is absolutely impossible, we're going to trust God. The second thing that takes place that is even more critical is in verse 15. Well, let's go back to verse 14. It came to pass when the people removed from their tents to pass over the Jordan, and the priests bearing the ark of the covenant before the people, and they that bear the ark were come unto the Jordan, and the feet of the priest that bear the ark were dipped into the brim of the water. My point is this. God... It, it, when, when God parted the Red Sea, Moses just stood and, and, and prayed and God parted the Red Sea and they crossed over. But what had God been doing in the hearts of these people for the last 40 years as they wandered through the wilderness? The, the, the hope was that he, he was growing their faith. 
So when it came time to cross over, they packed up, they got ready. The priest grabbed hold of the ark, but God did not part the river until their feet got wet. That's faith. Trusting in the impossible, trusting in an almighty God, what was God doing? He was growing their faith. Getting them to go through the motions, if you would. Getting them to, to understand that he was going to do something great. But they had to do their part. They had to pack up their goods. They had to get ready. And they had to start the journey. But once their feet touch the water, poof, God does the miracle. They cross over and they come to a their first obstacle. Let me. I have a picture for you of here of a uh, artist rendering of what uh, what Jericho would have looked like. It was an impenetrable city. It had two walls and a and a ditch or whatever in the picture it calls it a ditch, but it, that was the city. It was in in the in the day that this was written, uh, this took place, this city was impenetrable. Totally. There was no way. But the children of Israel make it to Jericho. No airplanes, no tanks, no artillery pieces, nothing but faith. A guy named William Booth wrote this, faith and works should travel side by side. First faith, then works, then faith, then works again, until they can scarcely distinguish which one is which. Faith and works go hand in hand. And what had the children of Israel learned? They had learned that in order to trust God, they needed to believe him. They needed to trust him with everything. They needed to step out by faith in order to accomplish the impossible. The reality is this. We are no different than they are. There is not one person in this room that doesn't struggle with your faith. We all do. We all do. But those of us that have learned to step out and trust and believe, that's when God can do great things. Question, what do you think would have happened if the children of Israel packed up all their stuff and the priest picked up the ark and they said, okay, when God parts the Red Sea, the when God parts the Jordan River, we'll go. What do you think would have happened? They'd still be standing, still be standing there. Why? Because God wanted action. He wanted to see their faith in action. 
Grow your faith. Point number two. By faith, be there. Be there. There are three different ways that we can serve God. I have I have three three ways that written down here that we can serve God. The first one is this: we make the best plans that we can and hope for the best. That's plan number one. Plan number two is to make the best plans that we can and then ask God to bless those plans. I've tried that, by the way. Guess what? It doesn't work too good. Actually, I've tried the first two, and, and anyway. But the third way to do it is to ask God his plan and then adjust our lives to his plan. Unfortunately, we don't like that third option. Why? Because we like to do things our way. I don't know about you, but I just, I, I, that's what I, I like to do things my way. What is it? Uh, it's, it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. With God, that doesn't work too good. Turn back to Joshua chapter 6. And ye shall, in verse 3, Joshua chapter 6 and verse 3, it says, And ye, uh, ye shall compass the city, all, all ye men of war, and go around the city once, thus thou shalt uh, thou do for six days. And then, then on the seventh day you do it seven times. And, and as I was reading this the other day, as I, was, as I was processing all of this, I thought, wow, what a battle plan. Walk around the city. Get a bunch of guys with trumpets and, you know, I, I mean, it, it just, do it once a day for six days and then on the seventh day do it seven times and, yeah. Makes no sense. Isaiah chapter 55 and verses 8 and 9, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are uh, my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. You know, God delights in taking the simplicity, the simple things of life, and conquering the difficult things in life. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27 to 29, it says, But God hath chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. The simplicity of creation, I think, is part of the problem with so many scientists. It's just too simple. And God had chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and the base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen. Yea, the things which are not to bring to naught Things that are not that no flesh 
should glory in His presence. God is going to be God. As I, as I thought about this, I thought of Gideon. Gideon, to me, was a nut. I mean, he, I mean, he had everything going against him. He was facing the, the army of the Midianites, 135,000 soldiers. And he pulls together a ragtag army of uh, 32,000. And, and, and he's, you know, here you got 32,000 farmers going against 135,000 soldiers. What does God say? It's too many. And he whittles his army down to 300. And he gives each of them four machine guns and a tank, right? <laughs> no, what does he do? He gives them a, a pitcher with a lantern on top and a trumpet. And God scores a great victory because of the faith of one man. Be there. I got another picture for you. This is a, another artist's rendering of the wall, the wall of Jericho. The one on the left is what it would have looked like or close to it. Because of archaeology uh, uh, today, they, they have a really, really good idea that this is pretty much what the wall would have looked like. So it would have been absolutely impenetrable for an army in that era to be able to get into the city. The key to the, the wall of Jericho, when it fell, okay, typically, if you have an army rushing a wall like that, what direction is it going to fall? It would fall inward. But when they walked around seven times and they blew the trumpets and they shouted, what direction did the wall fall? Outward, thus filling the void and actually creating an easy way for them to get in. They, they literally just walked in. And that's what God told them to do. But what would have happened if they said, oh, this, this is silly. Walking around this thing, blowing trumpets, yelling, screaming. I ain't doing that. What would have happened? They'd still be wandering out in the wilderness. But because they were there and they did what God asked them to do, God was able to do a great miracle. God truly delights using the simple things to show his strength. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 21. For after... That is in the wisdom of God. The world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. God has taken, God calls it the foolishness of what I'm doing right now. God says is kind of crazy. The preaching of the word of God, the proclaiming, the word preaching here literally means to proclaim. So, <clears throat> the proclaiming of the word of God to the world is foolishness. Some of you maybe maybe have friends or family that 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 have said to you. Um, in fact, Susan was was relaying a story 
uh, she was with a bunch of ladies and they were all going to the casino to gamble and they looked at her and said, where are you going? She said, I'm going to church. They probably looked at her like, Man, you're, what? That's crazy. Why, why would you do that? But God says that's wise. And who is the proclaimer? The, the pastor of the church? Is that the word? Is that the person who's to do the proclaiming? No, it's all of us. Every one of us has a responsibility to proclaim the word of God. Because believe it or not, you are surrounded by people that don't know God. And the point is that we have just as much a responsibility to share the gospel in Fernley, Nevada, as Rickson and Susan do on the island of Ponape. We need to stand in the gap. We need, we need to be there. Point number three. By faith, we need to learn to grow. By faith, we need to, to be there. And then number three, we need to put God first in our lives. Turn back to Joshua chapter 3. <coughs> Verse 14, it says, And it came to pass when the people removed uh, from their tents to pass over the Jordan, and the priest bringing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. Turn over back to chapter 6. Verse 11, so the ark of the Lord compassed the city going about it once and they came unto the camp and, and lodged at the camp. If you keep reading, the, the ark was, every time that they went around the city, what was there? The priests were carrying the ark. Do, do you understand that the ark in the Old Testament represents the presence of God? Putting God first, and, and, and this is a wonderful picture, a wonderful picture that the children of Israel finally got it. That God needs to be preeminent in their lives. What was the, what was the first thing that, that attempted to cross the Jordan River? The ark. Why? Because God needs to be first in our lives. What was, the, what was the thing that led the army around Jericho? The ark. Could be this morning that there are some things in your life that you're struggling with. The first thing I want to ask you is, is God your priority? Is God the number one thing in your life? The children of Israel learned that, that in order to serve him, he had to be number one. The presence of God. Deuteronomy chapter 31 and verse 6, Be strong and of good courage. Fear not, uh, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that, that uh, uh, <clears throat> doeth good with thee. He will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Second Timothy chapter two and verses three and four. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. 
No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. The, the children of Israel figured it out. God must be first. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Are you struggling right now? Is there something going on in your life? And you say, Pastor, I'm just, I'm really struggling. My first question is, where's God in your life? Is He number one? I don't know. I can't answer that question for you. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the faith, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. God gave them an incredible victory because they grew in their faith they learned to walk with him. They put their, their, their faith into practice. But most importantly, they put, they, they put him first in their lives. And because of those three things, God did a wonderful thing in their lives. In verse 20, the Bible says that they, they took the city with almost no effort. God did a miraculous thing. Why? Because of three very simple principles. They allowed their faith to grow. They put it into practice. And they put him first. Very simple. Now, question. How can we have that victory in our lives? It's the same way. How can Rickson and Susan continue to grow a ministry on on a little island in a in, a, in the middle of the jungle. It's the same way. Continue to grow in your faith. Learn to put your faith into practice. And always put God first in your life. It's really that simple. What is faith? Faith, trust, belief. It's really all the same thing. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day and thank you for your love and for the work you do in our lives. Lord, you you have been so good to us, so kind and so gracious. And Lord, I, I ask that you would do a mighty work in our lives, that you would help us to see areas in our lives that maybe there are some areas in our lives that we're struggling in. Lord, help us to learn to grow and to put into practice the things that we've learned and always, always make you preeminent in our lives. With every head bowed and every eye closed, let me ask you, is God